What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number one of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, you can send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or just hit us up on Twitter at readyplaymovies. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed to get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is January 11th, 2021. I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Troy Bracey. Troy here. How's it going, everybody? Listen, this is a... This is a good to be here, man. Good to be here with you, Lewis. Yeah, man. This is uh, the inaugural episode here. We're going to be starting something new. Uh, we have a sister show, Ready Press Play, uh, where we talk about all things gaming. So uh, this is a, basically like a spinoff here, and we're going to be doing our own thing, kind of basically sort of mirroring it. That we got similar segments and sim- probably a similar vibe. We don't know, but we'll see how it goes. We're going to definitely try to make it our own thing and put our own unique spin on things. So, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is kind of a, a bit of a... Um, how do I put this? Uh, we got we got a lot of learning to do. Obviously, we're trying to like learn how to walk here. Uh, so it's yeah. because it's the first episode. We don't have a theme song yet, but we have Waz uh, 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 working on the theme song. So that's definitely going to be good. It's going to be a banger. And also, hey. I don't have any sound effects for all of our topics. Or actually, none of the topics, actually. Um, so I will be coming up with sound effects here. I only have one sound effect here for our very first segment, which we'll be getting here, uh, getting to here in a moment. But I just want to take the time to uh, remind our listeners here that anyone that's listening to the show, uh, please be kind and leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform of choice you're you're listening to us on and we'll be sure to read it on next week's show so with that out of the way let's go ahead and get into the very first uh topic here or the very first segment marty you've got to come back with me where back to the future yeah back to the future so (laughs) i i decided to pull that one together here so yeah Back to the Future is basically like our the the Temple of Time, what we do in Ready Press Play. So at the beginning of every month, we're going to be covering the anniversaries of movies that, you know, turn 5, 10, 15, 20, and 25 years. So we're going to just sort of like read over the list here. And if we want to comment on anything that we want to just say, then we can just comment on it. But let's just go ahead and, and feel it out here. So... Five years ago was January 2016. So all of these movies have turned five years old and or five years and a month old because I'll get into it here in a second. But the first one I want to give a shout out to is The Revenant. It actually did open in December, but it was in limited release and it, it hit the wide release in, uh, in January along with uh, Ride Along 2, uh, 13 Hours, Dirty Grandpa, The Fifth Wave, The Boy, Room, which is the Brie Larson movie, not The, not the Room. Um, Kung Fu Panda 3, Jane Got a Gun, The Finest Hours, and Fifty, Sa- 50 Shades Black. Uh, Troy, do you have anything to say on any of these movies, or do you feel old? Man, uh, it's crazy because looking back, it's like, wow, those were some really good movies, man. I, I, I forgot Room and The Revenant, you know, dropped at, at the same time. That That's crazy, you know, but I think those are the two that stand out to me. The Revenant was a masterpiece. In Room, I think won Brie Lawson her first uh, or her yeah. only Oscar, Oscar. Yeah. yeah, for Best Actress. That was a phenomenal movie. And Leonardo, so, yeah, I, I, I love Oscars those. Too. I love those movies there. Yeah, the Revenant uh, Oscar for Leo as well. So yeah, I just, oh right, right. Yeah, and also I just can't believe like it feels like just yesterday the Revenant just came out. You know, like I can't believe it's already. Yeah, been... time goes by fast, but you know that 
that just a testament to how good the movie is it's like those really good ones are like everlasting and it don't even feel like you know the revenant's been out five years that just trips me out yeah so as you can see here um there's a general trend here that um movies that come out in january like i've been noticing a trend that they're like horror movies and of course you got your oscar re-releases slash uh, expansions ha that happen so they seem to happen every in every category here that we see so uh, we'll be going over that here in a moment but i also just wanted to say that um uh, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, the Fifth Wave. I watched that like back in the day, and I remember watching Kung oh, Fu Panda yeah. Three. So I don't think the Fifth yeah. Wave was that good a movie, but I remember they were trying to like strike strike it big with the young adult novel kind of thing, the craze that was yeah, happening. I, I did not like the Fifth Wave at all. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like the I like the cool little gun trick that they they sort of show you how to like disarm somebody and turn the gun back on them. So oh yeah, that was that was that, that was a good, that was a good scene right there. Um, also, okay, so we're gonna move on to the ten year ten years ago. So so ten years ten years ago was January 2011, and this was like the last. Uh, oh, well, this was January 2011 means a lot to me um, uh, because I started my new my my current job. So I'm gonna be heading my ten year anniversary with my really? current job. Yeah, and so you this started was, your your job in 2011. Yeah. So wow, man. So wait a minute. When when was the last time you worked at the theater? I worked at the theater in 2013 is when I quit. So I I worked oh, both okay. jobs in two years for two years in a row. I worked both of them at the same time. So man, time go by fast, man. Wow. Yeah. So in January 2011, we have the Nicolas Cage movie, uh, Season of the Witch. Uh, the, the Green Hornet starring uh, Seth Rogen. We got The Dilemma with Vince Vaughn. And uh, we had No Strings Attached with Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. The Right, which was Anthony Hopkins. The Mechanic, which was Jason Statham. And 127 Hours re-released in its wide expansion. And I remember watching that movie. And I can't believe that movie's 10 years old. Like, Man. I watched that movie. I, I think it's because I watched that movie like five years ago. I was on a plane, on an, on a, on an airplane ride, and that's when I first watched it. But yeah, man, I, I remember watching The Green Hornet in theaters. I remember, like, loving that movie. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to that scene where um, the, the the bad guy monologued, and then you see Seth Rogen's, like, memories play. And then <laughs> and then at the end of that of that little sequence, the, the the villain was like, and you took you that long to think about it or something like that. It was really hilarious. Because like, usually those, like, in, in the movie terms, like, those things are supposed to happen in, like, the instant, like, in an instant yeah, uh, beat. Yeah. But in, the, in terms of us, the audience, it happens long. So they actually play yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything to say on any of these movies that turn ten years uh, ten well, years old? I mean, speaking of the Green Hornet, man, that tripped me out because when I seen that, I, I believe I seen it in theaters with Tony or somebody. I don't remember, but when I first seen it, I remember loving that movie. I came out loving it, but I just seen it recently, and I was like, "What did I love?" <laughs> like I, it, I, you know, I'm being honest, man. Like when I re seen it, I don't know. I probably it had to be like last year or something, but. When wow. I re-seen it, 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 it didn't have the same, it didn't have that rewatchability. I guess. I don't know. Really? Like, I, I didn't like it as much as I remember liking it. Maybe you just, your memory is better at it. Because, like, I remember the scene with, with, with James Franco and he monologued. He's like, Gucci, Armani, and stuff like that. And then this guy pulls out the, the double barrel gun or whatever. And he's like, you yeah. see, you well, see I this? Think, you yeah. know, the humor, the humor in Green Hornet 
it's, it's still pretty good. I think overall as a movie, I think it's, I'm more like critical now. Mm. So maybe I'm like kind of like critiquing it and I'm seeing like flaws in it as a film. But I think as the with the humor, it was still, you know, it was still all right. Yeah. But uh, and another one is uh, 127 Hours. That movie is a phenomenal movie, man. Like it, it and I and it was based on a true story. I think I remember I remember reading about that story in high school. And that's why, you know, I was so intrigued by the movie and, and like, the movie held up to be a great movie. So yeah. I definitely remember that movie for sure. There was sure. something spiritual about that movie, I will say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then 15 years ago was January 2006. So we have Hostel, which was, like, uh, one of those gore, uh, Gorno films, like, kind of in the vein of Saw. We had Grandma's yeah. Boy, which is a comedy, and then Blood Rain, which was, like, a U-Bull, like, video game movie. The Eric Bana movie, Munich, uh, came out, as well as Last Holiday, which was a Queen Latifah movie when she thought she was dying. Um, Glory Road, which is one of those inspirational sports movies. Uh, Brokeback Mountain got its wide release. It came out in December uh, for a limited release. Uh, Underworld Evolution is uh, one of that Kate Beckinsale movie, those action vampire and werewolf movies. Big Mama's House 2, which was a Martin Lawrence uh, movie. Nanny McPhee. Uh, I think, was that Disney produced? I don't know. But uh, I remember Annapolis as well. And there was a, um, whenever, I think this might have been like Pierce Brosnan's first big movie after he he had uh, ended his James Bond run. It was The Matador. Oh, wow. uh, the Matador was, was out. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Annapolis simply because I think I watched that movie. Like I rented it from Blockbuster um, on DVD like way back in the day when Blockbuster was relevant. And I remember watching like the the boxing scene between uh, Tyrese and and James Franco, and that was intense. And then you, I heard I read about the story about how James Franco was so big into his method acting that Tyrese actually hates uh, James Franco because when they were filming the movie, he actually really was punching him for real, for real. So oh wow, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So they don't like each other because of that. So they'll never work together ever. Uh, but I, Annapolis, oh, I remember, wow. was a really good movie. I don't know why people don't give that, that movie enough credit. but Yeah, I like it for sure. Uh, but, of course, you know, Brokeback Mountain did win the Oscar that year as well. So Or, no, I mean, I, did it win for Best Director or for Best Picture? Because they split it between that and uh, Crash. I think it won for Best Picture. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because uh, it was Best Director and Best Picture are usually in line with each other. But they split yeah. it between Crash and that one. So... Um, well, actually, it won for Best Director, mm. and it got nominated for Best Picture. Mm. Okay. Oh, you looked it up just now? Nice. Yeah. All right. So, um, anything else that you wanted to add about January 2006? Well, um, first of all, I got to say real quick, that Medea movie is trash. All the um, Medea, <laughs> like, every Medea movie that come out is trash. I'm just being honest. I don't want to- The Big Mama's uh, House is not a Tyler Perry movie, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, uh, I thought you said it was that Medea movie no, that was, came uh, out. Okay. Tra- um, a ty- uh, that was a Martin Lawrence. Are you talking about oh, the Big B- Mama's House too? Oh, Big Mama's House. Okay, okay. Yeah. Was that the first one or the second, the second one that one. came out? The second one, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Everyone knows the like second one was trash as well, like by the way. I did not like that one at all. <laughs> yeah, it was a disgrace to the first one. Yeah, for sure. That I didn't like that one. But, uh, oh, yeah, but of course, you know, Brokeback Mountain uh, was a great movie. It was the first time, like, uh, I actually seen this movie after I seen The Dark Knight. But it was, you know, I think this was the movie that put Heath Ledger on the map as an actor. 
Uh, he yeah. got nominated for an Oscar, and yeah. I, I think like this was the movie he got a lot of crap for when people said he was cast as uh, the Joker. They oh, was like, yeah, oh, like guy the... from Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. You know, and so, but uh, a lot of people, if you really pay attention to that movie, you'll see his talent. Like if you, you know, be mature and watch it as a movie, you know, uh, you'll see the his level of talent, and you can see how he end up being. You know, I mean, he end up giving that great performance as Joker. Uh, yeah, so it was just a great movie, and Jake Gyllenhaal was fantastic in that movie as well. I mean, a lot of great actors in that movie. Michelle Williams, it, I, it was, it's a phenomenal movie. Okay. All right. I haven't seen uh, Last Holiday since, like, way back in that day, back in that time frame, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to that movie simply because I, even though it's a romantic comedy, there was something very, uh, like, uplifting about that about that movie because Queen Latifi's character thought she was dying, but she actually wasn't, But so she went on this holiday trip in, in Europe and just basically like refound like the meaning of life or something like that. So I thought that was yeah. really good. All right. So uh, 20 years ago, so January 2001, Traffic got its wide release because it came out in December. Uh, Save the Last Dance started Julia Stiles' career, I believe. Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon also, I think, also got its wide release, if I'm not mistaken, or it might have, yeah, I think it was the wide release. Uh, Snatch, which I think, was that the movie that put Jason Statham on the map? I used to think it was The Transporter, but it might have been Snatch. And yeah. then uh, J-Lo and Matthew McConaughey did a romantic comedy called The Wedding Planner, so... Unfortunately, yeah. I did see that movie. <laughs> Actually, yeah, the, I think I think the, except for Snatch, I seen every one of these movies at some point. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you wait, you haven't seen Snatch? No, I haven't. Oh man, that's a, that got to be one you check out. <laughs> nice, nice. I decided to put it on there because I know that that means a lot. I think it was like, wasn't that the, the director that he's like a uh, a big director now? I think. Was he either the guy that directed like Train Spotting or Slumdog Millionaire or something like that? Or yeah, wrong? I mean uh, Guy Ritchie. Oh no, yeah, no, okay, never mind. Okay, I was wrong. It was wrong director. Nah, but nah, it is nah, Guy Ritchie. Uh, Slumdog okay. Millionaire was the guy we was just that directed 127 Hours. He was the one we just talked about. Mm, okay, okay. Um, but I don't really have much uh, more to say on any of these movies. Um, I, I, I did. Mean, I did watch recently. Watch like a, a portion of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon on Netflix the yeah, other day. That's the one I was going to talk about. That's an all-time great movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, I just think that it was very. What, I feel like that movie's cultural zeitgeist was like was like uh, kneecapped because everybody started doing parodies of that thing. Like it just sort of like the whole wire, the wire fi kung fu fighting thing has just been like yeah. sort of kind of like the I Matrix. Mean, like you know how everyone like sort of like like uses that style and like in a mockery type of way i feel like that's what happened to that movie well see it's a i mean it i see what you're saying but the thing is like that's more like complimentary in my opinion like it's so iconic that everyone you know plays it. with it in good bad ways but it's like you know the source now it's a bit different with with matrix because they made two trash movies after the <laughs> original masterpiece yeah so like a lot of people mock how bad the other two is but with crouching tiger hidden dragon i think they you know it's a it's such a great film that you know you could it's a lot of things that you could have fun with i believe there was a sequel that came out to that movie by the way if i'm not mistaken but and i don't maybe, think i, I don't I think mean, it ever came to the u.s you know the sequel must be trash because i never <laughs> even heard uh, of it all right, so 25 years ago was January 1996, and I remember uh, watching uh, some of these movies actually in theaters, so I would have been like Dang. eight. I would have been eight, so I shouldn't be watching some of these rated R movies, so, but yeah, I feel old. 
<laughs> 12 Monkeys uh, had its wide release, uh, which oh, is... Oh, Brad Pitt, 12 yeah, Monkeys. Bruce Willis, yeah. yeah. That was a masterpiece. Um, now, here's an interesting factoid here. Uh, Dustin Dunstan checks in um, and Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Juice in the Hood <laughs> came out on the same day. De- what? On the same day? Yes. I never knew that, man. That's so funny. Man, Dunstan checks in. What a different audience, by the way. I watched Dunstan checks in back in theaters. Like I remember liking that movie, which I, apparently that movie was a was a flop. Um, but really? yeah, I really liked that movie. When I was a kid. I was the target demographic. But it's like one of those rules in Hollywood. It's like you don't work with kids, don't work with animals, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember much about Don't Be a Menace. I just remember like there was a guy who gave someone a haircut on the back. He was giving a fade, and he wrote "Kick Me" on it. Right? Or is that? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's right. Man. Okay. Don't be a menace, like to all the hood people out there. That's like one of the legendary funny movies. Like it, it's hilarious, man. They make they basically make fun of all the hood movies that came out, like Boys, in the, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, 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 and Menace to Society and all that. And it's just it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and lastly, the the last movie that came out. Uh, 25 years ago, which is another big milestone. Um, From Dusk Till Dawn. Now, oh, man. I've got to say, that movie's legacy was tarnished by all those sequels that came out. And I feel like it yeah, should have been a one yeah, movie. No question. No question. I Actually, it's funny that you say that because when I first tried to watch that movie, I was on my like Quentin Tarantino uh, marathon yeah. type of thing. And I wanted to watch that movie. And, uh, like, I, I watched one of the sequels first, and I don't know why I thought it was, like, the actual movie. And I was like, this is terrible. This can't be, like, <laughs> from dusk till dawn. I don't, you know, and like, halfway through the movie, I realized I wasn't even watching the original, and it was terrible. So, yeah, I know. So I know what you mean on that one. For sure. <laughs> it should have been a one-and-done movie, but, yeah. It should have been a one-and-done. Yeah. And I also got to say, by the way, that movie doesn't hold up really? as good. I, yeah, like, it's a good movie, but... Like it, it becomes a zombie movie out of nowhere, and it had absolutely nothing to do with zombies at before. So when you watch it, it's like, wait a minute, I, th- I remember this movie being like a full-on zombie movie. But yeah, when you rewatch right. it, you're like, okay, this was weird. I could see why Quentin Tarantino didn't direct it; he just wrote it and starred in it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Was it Robert Rodriguez yeah. directed it? Yeah, Robert yeah. Rodriguez, his friend, he he directed it, but like it was just written by him, and he and he starred in it. Yeah, you know, alongside he, George Clooney. And George stuff. Clooney. Yeah, I just like I wasn't. I don't know. Was that how did that how did that uh, start his career? Was that was George Clooney start his career from Dust Till Dawn, or did he start it from ER? But whatever. I, I believe it was ER. I think he had already kind of had a name by mm. from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, and then by the way, Selma Hayek I think made her debut in From Dust Till Dawn, if I'm not mistaken. Oh wow, yeah, she sure did. I think so. That was yeah. the first time you seen her. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, like that, that movie did have a sudden tone shift and, uh, man, freaking, I don't know, man, like that, that you can't tell me otherwise, but I feel like Quentin Tarantino has like a bit of, a bit of like, a um, a, um, a psycho, a psychopathy fucking, I don't know what the word is, but basically he's got like a serial killer mind and I think somewhere in there, uh, just yeah. by how he played that role. And at the beginning of the movie, when he killed that one lady, he's yeah. like, just, just lay down. It's okay. Just lay down. And then I'm like, yeah. damn. Yeah, it, they didn't was, even it show was real it. demonic. It was real <laughs> demonic for sure, man. I was like, oh shit. So yeah, but anyways. But so, uh, I, and also, you know, I gotta say, Twelve Monkeys. I think that's the first time I ever seen Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think I ain't gonna say the first time I ever seen Brad Pitt, but I think that was one of his big movies that like his big breaks. 
And uh, when you watch that movie, man, he was so good in that movie. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he got nominated for, like, an Oscar or something. But I don't know for sure because it's, like, it's an old movie. But, like, if you watch that film, he, he stole that movie. And you see why he kind of became the big mega star that he became if you watch that movie. He had a lot of charisma and his acting was uh, outstanding. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So, yeah, that was the, our Back to the Future segment. Those are all of the movies that hit their milestone anniversaries. And uh, we'll be back in February to talk more about the uh, the February anniversaries as well. But, yeah, man, these uh, this definitely makes me feel old. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, have, I have multiple mixed feelings on this segment. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's good to reminisce, though. All right. Yeah, for sure. So our next segment is going to be what we're watching. So I decided to talk about our impressions of uh, recent releases, Wonder Woman, 84, Wonder Woman 84, as well as Soul, since they both dropped on streaming services. Um, so uh, Wonder Woman specifically also in theaters. Uh, but they dropped on streaming services on Christmas Day. And um, I have, uh, Troy, have you, had a, have you had time to watch both of these movies? Yeah, yeah, I have. And actually, Soul is on my top five. Nice. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, so I have. Uh, I, I wanted to just basically do like a, a general impressions of the, these movies. And I don't necessarily want to talk spoilers because I feel like, yeah. uh, you know, that should be its own thing, its own spoiler review. But right. I, I kind of want to just sort of um, give like these, uh, uh, like, I just want to sort of give like, be very positive on these movies because both of these movies, they have like, I don't know. They came out when we time we need them. You know, movies haven't been, you know, have been not really have been struggling or whatever. And, you know, I haven't gone to the movies since like, I don't know when. And yeah, I just, I'm glad I got to watch these movies. And it was like, I was spending time with my family watching Christmas. We made movie nights out of them. We popped popcorn in our, in the microwave, you know, we basically did the whole, like, you know, movie experience on, on a, on our big screen TV with the sound bar and, it really gave us that 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 feel and stuff, and uh, um, I feel like uh, I don't know why, but I I, I want to talk about Wonder Woman first here and just say that I, I don't know why, but I like this movie, but people are like lambasting it on the internet and calling it trash, and I I kind of feel like I'm on the outside on this one. Yeah, I mean I don't I wouldn't necessarily go that far as to call it trash. I mean if you watch some of the the worser comic book movies that's been made. Uh, you know that you you'll see the difference between trash and Wonder Woman 1984, <laughs> but I don't think it's uh, it, it it's not that good great of a movie though. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so here's I I have a I have a lot of things to say on this on this general topic because, like, on one I don't know how. I don't know if my experience of watching that movie as like all of us are gathering around this big ass couch, you know, like we're making an event out of it. If that raised the quality of the movie for me, you if know, like you the know, experience did it for it's me. It's funny that you say that because I think that might be the that may be the case. And I mentioned it in a review that I did of this movie is that like, you know, I, I wondered how much of the the problems I had with this movie had to do with like COVID maybe affecting the, the mood, the, the right, you know? And so maybe that, you know, you never know what all plays into it. Maybe, you know, COVID, the COVID thing affected the filmmaking process or whatever the case, because I want, I know the, the last Wonder Woman movie was fantastic. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like I, I had like, 
we I think like the surrounding uh, experience helped boost it for me because there was definitely like quality family time happening and also I was just very like sucked into and absorbed by like the acting and the performances and stuff like that I wasn't really like critiquing or thinking negatively about it I was just sort of along for the ride and I'm not gonna without getting into spoilers but like there was this one scene that sort of like pulled at my heartstrings and it got me a little misty-eyed I didn't full-on cry but like it just like rising in the corner of my eye and it was a scene where where Diana was can't I just have this one thing like I don't ask for I don't ask for much and this yeah. is the one thing that I want the one thing in this world and she was just like you know like I know that feeling and yeah. uh, the, uh, Gal Gadot's performance was so genuine to me. And I just, I was like captivated. Like that scene and like an another scene similar to that, that, those two scenes by themselves made that movie for me. And so yeah. I am, I'm a little disheartened when I watch these video essays about Wonder Woman 84 and all of these plot uh, contrivances and, and issues with the plot and everything. And it's sort of like, I don't know, I kind of I kind of feel like it's diminishing like my experience. Like I don't want to, I don't want to dig too deep into like the the bad of the movie because it feels like it just takes away what I already felt and I feel like my first viewing and it should be my only viewing and I can have that feeling and keep that warm fuzzy and not tarnish it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that you said, uh, you know, about Gal Gadot's performance, I think that's a big reason why anyone who likes this movie, that's a big reason why. I mean, she's so good in the movie that it's like it's it's crazy you know she looks the part she acts the part and she's actually a very good actress and so like one thing that i haven't heard no one say unless they're crazy or something is that gal gadot did a bad job as wonder woman <laughs> uh she she mastered that role you know and her co-star uh chris pine you know they're so good and like for them to be the leads and the and you have so much attention on them and they do such a good job you know that can really have you like really enjoying what you're seeing uh rightfully so but i think over time like once you know you get out of that moment and you know you rewatch the movie you could start to see different because i mean you gotta understand some people were watching that movie just to like you said just to enjoy the you know the holiday movie spirit and some people are critics and they critique movies you know and so it's a different experience when you do that you know you watch you know some people watch the movie to enjoy it and then some people watch the movie to critique it so those are two different experiences for sure yeah so yeah i'm just i don't want to have too much of a critical eye on it i i had a good time with it i enjoyed it and i kind of sort of want to close the book on it i like i said i've seen a lot of critiques since but uh, I don't want to like dig deeper, you know, but I, I guess, but I'll, 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 I'll at least uh, like meet the, the critics halfway and say that I'm not going to put it in the, like, you know, the top five best comic book movies of all time list or anything like that. If anything, the first Wonder Woman has a, a shot at that title. Yeah, uh, for sure. No, no question. But yeah. All right. So then let's go and move on to soul here. So here's the one thing that I do want to say about soul and, um, ultimately I did like the movie and I, I wasn't, I'm not going to put it in like my top 10 best Pixar movies, but I will say that the, um, the, the movie, the thing that I don't like the, about the movie is that I don't think this movie was made for kids. Like one of the things that like Pixar is really good at is they can make a kid's movie, but also 
like make it so it's, it, it it appeals to adults. You know what I mean? Like they can hit you with that emotional stuff in like Toy Story, but also be very like visually um, stimulating for kids, like Monsters Inc. and stuff like that, and like you know crazy visuals and like you know have a little ADD kind of thing where like a five year old can sit down and watch it. Which I'm not entirely convinced that like a little kid can truly like. I don't know, understand or go along for the ride or be uh, like able to sit down and watch the whole movie because the really like the bigger sequences where there's souls and stuff, there's very few scenes of it. Like it takes up very little screen time. There's a lot of real world stuff. And, and ultimately the movie is about like the biggest theme, uh, the biggest theme that I drew from the movie was a theme about like living your life with some regrets and trying to, you know, correct for that. And that's a thing that you come, you get with experience as you grow into an adult. And that's not an experience that uh, kids and children can relate to. So yeah, that's why I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it, it admits it, it, for me, it misses the mark in being a, a PG, like G rated slash PG movie that can appeal to all ages where it feels like soul should have just been like demographed to older people. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point. You know, uh, I definitely disagree with it. Uh, mainly because Pixar always had a, has had this, you know, track record of making like these very, adult themed movies disguised as kids movies i mean if you yeah, yeah. think about like coco up inside out a yeah. lot of these movies are like straight up adult films yes exactly like, but like and and like so with those I movies with those movies they're also like you know a dog talking with like like squirrels and stuff like that and these crazy adventures and shit shenanigans happening and like you know very bombastic soul is very reserved you know what i mean but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, uh, for sure. So, like some or some of Pixar movies, I feel like is made for kids more than others. Like if you you mentioned Toy Story, or if you think about The Incredibles, yeah, you know some of those movies, and some of those movies like straight up, like Up is like straight up just like so. You know, if yeah. you think about or Inside Out, you know, I mean, some of these movies are and and. You know, coincidentally, a lot of those movies are the ones that win the Oscars, like Inside Out and stuff like that. But uh, for me, me personally, I uh, I love the film. It had like a whole lot of heart. It was very funny. The humor is what stood out to me. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed that movie overall. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely do. Uh, I, I actually I, don't I think agree, it's... Though, I, I wouldn't put it... I, I agree. I wouldn't put it in... The top 10. The top 10. You know, it might could slip in like the 10th spot or something like that. Maybe. But it's not like in the top five or nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I kind of want to put it like if you're looking at stack ranking all the Pixar movies, I would put it somewhere in the middle half or maybe even the top middle, like upper middle. Um, So like I don't think by any stretch of the imagination will I call it a bad movie. What I am saying is critiquing it is the, 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 the consensus that it's a kids movie is what I'm gonna mm. sort of think put it that as, um, like I said, it like it definitely works for me because I can relate to you know the idea of like not having fully lived your life to the fullest. That is something most adults yeah. can get behind. So yeah, I sure. uh, I'm just saying that's like a thing that kids may not grasp. But also I've seen like an interview where the director was saying that uh, I think it was like a quote or something like where it's like the director says. Uh, you don't, people don't give kids enough credit, you know, they don't give kids enough credit as to how smart they are or how they're able right, to understand right, things. So, right. And I, I think will that's sort the of, main reason why I disagree with you because kids grow just like anyone else. They might understand a little bit. And then a year later, they understand a little bit more. And like a year later, they get the whole movie or something like that. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, like I said, I'll uh, we'll see. But I've seen I've seen some similar takes on Twitter, by the way. So, but yeah, yeah. No, but let's uh, let's go ahead and move on here. So now we're gonna talk about the news. So for the first news item that we have here is I'm just pulling up a Wikipedia uh, page here. And it tells us the highest uh, grossing films of 2020. So I want us to run down the list here as well as its grosses and sort of like, let's just give a, qu- a quick little analysis as, as to what we think about like how things panned out for 2020, which is crazy because, you know, we, we know about the COVID situation. We know that, you know, movie theaters were closed and, and things like that. So some of these movies uh, would have never made the top 10 in any regular normal year, but here we are. So at number one, we got the January release Bad Boys for Life at $206 million domestic, as well as at number two, Sonic the Hedgehog hit $146 million. At number three, Birds of Prey um, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which uh, grossed $84 million. Man, that came out this year? Yeah, it was a February release. Oh, wow. Uh, Doolittle came out, uh, uh, and I think also I think it came in January. I'm not sure, but Doolittle hit 77 million dollars. The Invisible Man hit 70 million dollars, which I think had its box office run cut short because of COVID. Uh, number six, The Call of the Wild, which was a Harrison Ford movie, 62 million dollars. Number seven, Onward, was 61 million dollars. That was like the weekend before like things started like getting serious with lockdowns and stuff. So yeah. it only had like two good weekends in the box office before things shut down and it was its 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 legs were crippled or whatever um number eight tenant opened during the middle of the pandemic in august at, and, and accumulated uh, accumulated 57 million dollars in the u.s at number nine the crudes a new age hit 34 million dollars it was one of those universal movies that had like a a limited run uh limited run in, in theaters before going to to vod and at number 10, slipping into the top 10, was Wonder Woman uh, 1984. So far, estimated total is at $28.5 million. So, yeah, man, usually, like, like usually, like, the like top 10 is, like, um, you know, like, the, the, the barrier for entry for the top 10 is at least, like, $200 million in any given year. But now it's at $28 million to make it into the 10th spot. So, so what do you think of these numbers? What do you think of, like, the, the quality of the movies that made the top 10 this year? Well, you know, it's 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 funny because as you read a lot of those off, man, the the biggest box office movies were the ones that came out like before the pandemic. You yeah. know, like I I completely forgot about like Birds of Prey being, you know, released this year and stuff like that. And like The Invisible Man, I remember that. I remember just going to the movie and seeing that like two or three times. I remember that being a hit and it was so long ago that you, you forget to even include it in the box office for this year. (laughs) So a lot of the movies that, that was successful, they were like probably so happy. Like, Ooh, I'm glad we came out in January and February (laughs) because they got to actually had a, you know, uh, actual movie run, you know, in theater. So, uh, yeah, it, it trips me out, but, uh, it's some movies that did good. I mean, bad boys, uh, the new Bad Boys movie that did real well, you know. So I, I'm sure they're happy, and that was a long time coming. So I'm glad that movie got to hit theaters at the right time and make some good money because that movie was in production or was talking about being made for like maybe ten years or yeah. something like that. So which is uh, crazy, but some of these movies had like their their worldwide run like crippled because Bad Boys for Life you know, came out in January and it was supposed to come out in January in China, but in January. Uh, China's box the movie theater shut down like before like the US the US's movie theater shut down in late uh, late March early April 
yeah. when all the lockdowns happened. But China went lockdown way first and stuff like that. So Bad Boys for Life didn't get to make its money uh, worldwide. So yeah, man, and it still made good money. So I know they're they're kicking themselves because they could have made, made more good, good yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I just think that uh, overall, like like Doolittle, even back then, like it was considered a flop. But that flop was the number four best highest grossing movie in the U.S. So oh, it's crazy, crazy to think about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's a, that's the top ten here. Let's go ahead and move on to the next news uh, item here for the day. This comes from Screen Rant. This is uh, Zack Snyder has no plans to continue his DCEU after Justice League uh, cut gets released. So despite an ongoing fan campaign to see the restoration of Zack Snyder's DCEU, the director says he currently has no plans to complete it. Zack Snyder says he has no plans to continue his original DCEU story going forward. At the start of the DCEU, Snyder was one of the primary architects of the franchise. He directed the first two installments, Man of Steel, and Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, and he had even greater plans beyond that. In fact, it's been said that Snyder had a five-movie plan for the DCEU. Unfortunately, a family tragedy forced Snyder to leave Justice League in the middle of production, and following the, trepid, or the tepid response to reshoots director Joss Whedon's changes, the DCEU began to move in a new direction. The DCEU's new strategy, which puts less of a focus on connected storytelling, has left Snyder's plans behind. Thanks to, a, thanks, to a, thanks to fan passion, his original cut of Justice League will be released on HBO Max two months from now, and thus giving the director some closure. However, the release of the fondly named Snyder Cut has led fans to believe that Snyder's original five-planned vision could be restored. Recently, they campaigned on social media for Warner Brothers to greenlit the rest of Snyder, Snyder's planned DC projects. Though his fan base might be eager for more, Snyder currently isn't expecting much beyond Justice League. While appearing on Comic Book Debate, Snyder spoke candidly about the future he envisions for his DCEU. Acknowledging that he never expected to release his Justice League, Snyder explained that since he's in a different place right now, he doesn't have any plans to go beyond the DC team-up film. He does appreciate fans' enthusiasm, though, Snyder said. And here's a quote from Zack Snyder. Look, I never thought I'd be here doing this. I didn't think I'd be finishing Justice League. The truth is, and it's been widely reported, and I have no issue, this is an old movie. This is a years-old movie I'm working on. The DC Universe has gone and, and branched off and done its own thing, and that's fine. As far as what I said and as far... And as far as what my vision for what I wanted to do with these characters and the journey I wanted them to go on, it's well known that I planned on more movies, five movies or something. But I'm busy. I've got a lot going on. Is it cool that the fans have so much faith in that traje the trajectory? Yes, it's amazing. And I couldn't be happier. And I'm excited for, the, for them to see Justice League so they can really drink the entire elixir of Justice League. But would I continue? I have no plan to. But like I said, I didn't think I'd be here. So who knows? So Troy, what do you think of uh, these uh, this this news here? Um, are you surprised by any chance, or what's your what's your feeling? Well, no, I'm I'm not surprised. I actually think it's it's good news. You know, I think you get the <laughs> no, and and I'm being honest because I think you get the best of both worlds, 
right? Like, I feel like anyone that wanted to see what uh, Zack Snyder's vision was for this universe in terms of getting to the Justice League, they find, they get to actually see that. They see what Zack Snyder at least had planned for the first Justice League, you know? I And I look at, you know, the Justice League Snyder version, the Snyder Cut, as like a what if movie you know how those what if comics came out back in the day you could get like those you know in another in another reality mm-hmm. this what happened kind of thing like i think that's what basically how you should look at the Zack snyder justice league because i think after the justice league it's going to go in a completely different direction and a lot of that stuff is probably not going to have nothing to do with what the dc has going forward and i actually think it's a good thing that Zack snyder isn't running the show or gonna do the dc movies going forward because i think Zack snyder even though i love man of steel now i will defend that movie for the rest of my life that is a fantastic movie but Zack snyder he's not consistent enough i feel like to run a a dc movie uh universe like he's not uh, or that, he's have not anything that. to do with it i just feel like he's not consistent enough he's not on that kevin feige level yeah you know and it, and and it's not even about being on kevin feige's level you just got to be consistent like if you think about like since Zack snyder hasn't been involved with some of the dc stuff you started to see success you know you start you got aquaman a lot of people like that it was the first dc film to do a a billion in the box office Mm. you know you look at like shazam he had nothing to do with that that was like the first critically uh, well uh, wonder woman the first wonder woman was had very good critic reviews too but you know shazam had you know very high critic reviews i think it still got the highest critic review on rotten tomatoes to this day Plus and, it had a completely uh, you, different tone. You know, you just started to see some, you started to see good things once Zack Snyder wasn't involved. You know, when he was involved, you got like Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, and all that type of stuff. So, I, you know, personally, I'm glad he's getting to finish his vision with the Justice League just to see what that, how that would have been if he directed it. I, I've always been curious to know. But overall, I don't think he should continue going forward you know i think a lot of fans want that now until they get another batman v superman and then they're going to be mad at him again you know what i mean so i, I think, you know personally i just think it's it's good news all around you know you still getting the Zack snyder snyder cut and going forward we get to see new vision and new ideas and new tones and stuff like that from somebody else i think this is marketing speak i'm not i'm here and hear me out here i think that if the Snyder Cut suddenly gains like HBO Max a shit ton of subscribers and like, oh my God, it's it's talked about, it's buzzed about, you know, it's like everyone's tweeting about it and everything like that. Like if it has that much traction, I feel like there's going to, uh, Warner Brothers is going to suddenly open up the checkbook. And yeah. I, I can see, but here's the thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen because like, I don't know how well. Uh, like what kind of success you need to hit, what metrics of success you need to hit for that to happen, by the way. Because even like what we hear about Wonder Woman 84, like uh, apparently like uh, AT&T and Warner Brothers were not happy with uh, with how much subscriber growth they got whenever Wonder Woman 84 dropped. So I doubt, if that, if that movie couldn't do it, I doubt a Justice League Snyder Cut would. So Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And also, you know, a lot of, you know, the quality of it is going to depend as well. Like if it gets shredded by fans and critics alike, and it's just another Batman V Superman when it came (laughs) out or something like that. Like a lot of people forget that Zack Snyder did make Batman V Superman. You know, he did, he did 
uh, have involvement with the first. Well, never well, mind. Well, I mean, I, you, you, you have to give uh, Zack Snyder some credit because the original cut of, of, of BVS was three hours cut, and and uh, Warner Brothers like told mandated that Zack Snyder lose thirty minutes in order to have more like show times in the in the box office. Uh, yeah, so the director's I, you know, cut, and I'll, I've always had my opinion on that. First of all, you know, the three-hour cut way better. was still not a great movie, but oh, it, it, it was, was way better. better. Way better. Like, it was way... Yeah, it was, like, it the, was the better. Like, the plot was actually easy to... Like, you can actually follow the plot. Like, things right. track. Things track. More. Right. Right. But also, you know, and, and a lot of people got to understand, I don't blame Warner Brothers for doing that. Like, a movie shouldn't be three hours long. <laughs> You know, like that, that just don't make, unless you do like a Avengers, like grand finale, like Avengers Endgame was like this grand finale. So it, you know, it was like this spectacle. So they wanted it three hours. That's okay. But they don't go around making three hour movies. Like, you know, like that, that's just not realistic. So Zack Snyder, that's partially his fault. You know, you know what kind of movies, you know, that movie. Kids ain't gonna sit around and watch no three hour movie, you know what I mean? So the studio is like, "Hey, man, you gotta cut some of this out." So he should have had that in mind when he was making the movie. So I, I, I will always defend the studios on that one, even though a lot of people look at the studios like, "Hey, the villain. You cut out yeah. his movie." I look yeah. at it like, "Look, you should have known," you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, but, but that being said, you know, like I was saying before, you know, fans may love this new justice league snyder version or fans still might not like it i think we're so caught up in right now of like give snyder his version that we're still missing the point that look this movie could be i mean this series can be bad as well which i don't think they're in in no in no shape or form would they ever have released a four-hour cut of justice league by the way so i don't even know if this really is truly the, the snyder cut more like Snyder just indulging at this point, but well, whatever. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so, all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, and this is another Warner Brothers DCEU uh, thing here, because um, this happened after the announcement of, uh, this actually comes from ComicGears.com, by the way, and it's titled, Ray Fisher won't be cyborg in the Flash movie, and he's not being recasted. So, uh, the story reads, after the announcement that Zack Snyder's Justice League would be coming to HBO Max, cyborg actor Ray Fisher spoke out with allegations of improper behavior by director Joss Whedon and producer Jeff Johns. Warner Brothers agreed to conduct an uh, investigation, but that investigation resulted in no action or redress. Uh, Fisher, however, remains unmoved about his demand for accountability. To that end, in a tweet last week, he said he would not appear in any future DC films. It turns out that Ray Fisher was asked to reprise the role of Cyborg for the forthcoming Flash movie. He declined, and the role will not be recast. According to a new report, the Cyborg character is currently being written out of the film. The inclusion of Cyborg in the upcoming Flash film was a foregone conclusion, especially considering how close the characters are in the comics. Yet, after Fisher's statement, it became clear to the filmmakers that they had a binary choice. They, I, they could either recast the role with another actor or write him out of the film. The decision to simply exclude the character is the best of two bad options. Both Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton are set to reprise their roles as Batman. Obviously, these two characters are more important to the narrative of the film, making Cyborg's appearance tantamount to a cameo. 
And um, this was a tweet written by uh, Ray Fisher on his Twitter account. Walter Hamada is the most dangerous kind of enabler. His lies and uh, WB's PR failed September 4th's hit piece sought to undermine the very real issue of the Justice League investigation. I will not participate in any production associated with him. So apparently uh, some beef going on with him and Walter um, um, Hamada. Hamada. So... Uh, let's go ahead and end the article here. I'll put the article in the show notes. Um, apparently, there was an update in this article. There was a, some updated tweets and stuff like that. Uh, let's see. If, uh, this is the, Ray Fisher put in his tweets that the WB uh, PR team has struggled to regain control of the narrative ever since they failed to bury me in the JL investigation with their September 4th hit piece, which unsurprisingly was written by the same reporter. So, I don't know. There's, uh, there's some crazy stuff going on. I... I don't exactly. I um, up until the story, I never actually knew that there was some any impropriety on Joss Whedon's part. By the way, like I didn't know there was some kind of allegations. Uh, so this is all news to me, and it really sucks because as movie fans, we're missing out. Because I'm pretty sure uh, one of the very few things that was actually liked about Justice League, the the theatrical cut, was the 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 bromance slash on screen chemistry between the actors that played uh, Cyborg and the Flash. So yeah. Um, yeah, this is everyone was expecting Cyborg to be in the Flash film. So, uh, what, what's your what's your take on this? Well, you know, I, first of all, and in, in, um, as far as like Cyborg being in a Flash film, I don't remember hearing any reports that that's like uh, was official. So that I think that might part still be a rumor. So who knows if he would have been in it or not? I mean, it's been like at least ten versions of the Flash movie. So. <laughs> Maybe maybe somewhere in one of those versions that he was, but from my understanding, I don't think it was ever, like, confirmed that he was actually going to be in it. So, you know, uh, I don't think anyone should be disappointed as far as, like, oh, this ruined the, that chance of that happening because we don't know for sure if he was going to be in it. But as far as, like, Ray Fisher, the Ray Fisher situation, you know, the only – the thing with Ray Fisher is that it's t- it's kind of weird to me that, like, he's the only person that had problems. You know what I mean? That he's like, there's no one backing him. No one, no one from the justice league movies, no one from the production of, of the movie. No one, you know, has, he's like the only person. Right. Right. He's like the only person from my knowledge. Everyone else, you know, had a good working relationship. And another thing that annoys me is like, when you're making allegations against someone and, and you're uh, making it public, you know, just be real and say what's going on. You know what I mean? Like if some if you say, oh, this person is he's loud talking me or whatever the case may be, he's treating me unfairly. He's being racist, whatever it is, like say what it what they're doing. And that way we could as fans could have a better understanding of like, uh, you know, what's going on and maybe we could figure out some stuff or maybe a reporter would do something and, and find out some stuff behind the scenes or whatever the case. But if you're just saying like, I'm never going to work with Walter Hamada again, it's like, okay, why? You know, like what, you know what I'm saying? What's the problem? You know what I mean? Or like, I, I think we did understand with Josh Whedon. He said, you know, he publicly said, you know, Josh Whedon was being very, uh, egotistical and being mean on set and making jokes and stuff like that. I, you know, I I remember he said something about Josh Whedon, but in terms of like Walter Hamada, it's like what what's the problem here? You know what I mean? Come out and say something. So I don't know. To me, it just I can't get on board with someone. A lot of times, you know, when accusations happen, accusations happen. 
uh, it's other people backing them, you know, or coming, you know, Standing, by their side yeah. or saying I something. It's not so just so, one yeah. person out of everyone that has a problem, you know. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what went down, but I don't know if I could just agree with Ray, what Ray Fisher is doing at all. Hmm. I mean, I think uh, there's like there's some I think there's some credit to what you're saying here. But my first go to thing that I'm thinking of is like the bigger picture. And I don't know, like my my first uh, gut reaction to this is like, man, this is this is bad for Ray Fisher because um, we've seen instances of someone being mean, like this director's mean or this person's this PR, this producer's mean. Uh, because we've seen that with Katherine Heigl when she was complaining about like an 18 hour workday or something like that. And then yeah. there was, we've seen, um, we've seen, um, uh, Megan Fox complain about, uh, the director of the Transformers movies, uh, Michael Bay, yeah. um, and their careers ended, you know, they're basically over. I mean, they haven't, they're not really that relevant anymore. And, you know, this movie was supposed to be like the big break for, uh, Ray Fisher as far as like him potentially transitioning to superstar status. And he hasn't done anything really, and um, uh, I don't know if he's still big on Broadway. I know that's where he that's where he came from, but you know Broadway's closed. Everyone's not uh, those actors aren't working either. So uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that there's um, um, if there was a situation where like all the the other actors were privy to it, like if Ben Affleck was or or Jason Momoa knew what's going on, maybe like they know the game the Game of Thrones better than anyone and they know to keep their mouths shut or keep things confidential or behind closed doors and you don't air well, see, out your d- think, dirty laundry. You know, well, I, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, I honestly feel like you have to stand for something or fall for anything. You know, you if, if you're being mistreated and you're being wrongfully done, you know, you can't just let it pass just because your career. But Most people do, by I the do, way. Yeah. But I do feel like if you're going to bring it to the public and come to light with it, you got to come with facts. You got to come with evidence. You got to come with, you know, witnesses, you know, because the problem, like when you bring up, say, Megan Fox, she just talked about stuff Michael Bay did, but she had nothing to back that up, you know. And and when you do that and make it seem like you're a problem, you're just someone that's starting trouble. And but, you know, like a lot of these women that's came out over time you know they come out with proof and facts that oh this person you know touched me the wrong way or this person you know did this and did that and so you could get behind what that what's what's been going on but you can't get behind someone that doesn't have any proof or doesn't have any just nothing it just looked like oh you're a problem starter and no one is going to want to hire you because who knows, you might do the same on their set or their movie coming out. Yeah, so other producers may not want to cast you on their film. Right. Thing. Yeah, um, hopefully uh, we'll learn more about this and maybe more things will come to light. Maybe more receipts will come to the to the public eye or maybe some kind of settlement would happen. But uh, one thing that Ray Fisher was like public about, even in the theatrical cut when it first came out, is that you know he made a big uh, uh, splash about how you know, his character was essentially like edited out of the movie and he had way more screen time that was supposed to be in the movie. And thus you don't really get to know his character or really like develop his character um, in the, in the theatrical cut of justice league. So we'll hopefully we'll see that more in the, you know, that arc in the, the, the Snyder Snyder cut. cut. Yeah. So, all right. Last, uh, the last story up that I have here uh, dug up and this comes from torrentfreak.com and it says here, that the Mandalorian is the most pirated TV show of 2020. 
<laughs> so that's the, not too surprising. It is not. Uh, so here we go. The Mandalorian is the most pirated TV show released in 2020. The popular Disney Plus series decrowned Game of Thrones, which dominated the chart for years. Dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Prime Video's The Boys is listed in second place, and HBO's Westworld completes the top three. At the end of every year, we take a look at the most downloaded TV sh- episodes among torrenting pirates. Uh, for several years in a row, the list was headed by Game of Thrones, but just like the series itself, this reign has now come to an end. With the title up for grabs, there are there were several contenders for the crown. The Mandalorian eventually came out as a winner. The popular Disney Plus exclusive was previously the third most downloaded TV series in 2019. So let's go ahead and just take a uh, take a look at the chart here. So at number one was The Mandalorian. It was number three last year. Uh, number two was The Boys, which didn't chart last year, which is crazy. Uh, number three was Westworld. Number four was Vikings, which was also number four last year. Number five was Star Trek Picard, didn't chart last year. Number six was Rick and Morty, so it's up from number eight. Number seven was The Walking Dead, slipped from number six. Number eight was The Outsider, never heard of that, didn't chart last year. Number nine was Arrow, which was at number 10 last year. And number 10 was The Flash, which slipped from number seven. So these were the top 10 most popular pirated shows of 2020. So I am not surprised by The Mandalorian and The Boys and Westworld. And I'm also not surprised by, by Rick and Morty. And I'm actually, actually, I take that back. I'm surprised Rick and Morty wasn't like in the number four spot, to tell you the truth. But yeah, so yeah. what are your thoughts? Uh, well, you know, it doesn't surprise me, like you said, that The Mandalorian is the most pirated uh, show because but at the same time every great show is going to be pirated so yeah i remember i think i think disney expected that i remember uh the what was that uh damn it a breaking bad was up there like in like that top spots or whatever a couple years yeah back. yeah but as long as these as long as the producers like the as long as the show is successful you know like like they're they're the most pirated but they're at number one you know what i mean so i think that comes with the territory of making a good show because i think television shows and tv series and stuff they're like the easiest to pirate you know what i mean so uh you know that just comes with the territory i think they are every person that makes a a television show of some sort they expect for a huge amount of piracy but they just off just hope that they'll be successful as well and the mandalorian if they're doing game of throne numbers they're they're pretty happy right now (laughs) for sure what's it called you know what's kind of funny is like i um uh, I just wanted to say that the um, damn it, I lost my train of thought. Ah, whatever. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and move on here. But I just wanted to say that uh, congratulations to the Mandalorian for being awesome. And uh, oh no, no, oh, yeah. I remember what I was gonna say. The the Mandalorian uh, and shows like the Mandalorian and the Boys, those are the top two spots, and they both are uh, streaming only shows. They don't air on traditional TV. Uh, yeah, so they're behind like a subscription paywall to Disney Plus or to Amazon. But I mean, I think I think television is going in that direction anyway. I think soon, maybe in like five years, you're probably not even going to be able to see a show on television anymore. <laughs> Damn, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Like a lot of the other shows, like Westworld and Rick and Morty, since they air on traditional TV, um, I don't know. Like I feel like there should be less of an onus to pirate them because you can just DVR it. Um, the only yeah. reason why you would want to pirate something like Rick and Morty is if you don't, if you only have like basic cable and don't have, you know, that channel like Cartoon Network or whatever, um, or like The Walking Dead if you don't have AMC anymore, you know, that kind of situation. Well, a lot of people, you know, it's a lot of people that don't even have cable no more because, I mean, with internet, you could anything you want, you could just watch within it with internet. You yeah. know, so it's a lot of people that are just pay for internet and then pirate some of these movies that's on. Te- I mean, 
some of these shows that's on uh, cable television. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Plus, on top of that, like, uh, there was a lot of cord cutting, especially in the early 2010s, whenever uh, people were like, oh, you could just get Netflix and Hulu and you're good, you know? So, yeah, right, right. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting, though. I just wanted to say, like, uh, the other two things that I wanted to point out about the number one and number two spots is because that they were, because they were, um, uh, streaming only shows, uh, the quality of the pirating shows is actually better than you have like an actual digital copy versus like the other ones. You could have, it could have been like you're, you're torrenting like a, like a DVR, like fucking like a little off, off, uh, quality kind of like bootleg or whatever. Whereas yeah. those other ones, you can get like a source file. So it's like yeah. a, it's like a, it's like a, um, a double edged sword going streaming only. So, but yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm sure everyone's like Disney Plus is not is not uh, hungry for money anyway. So, or Disney in general is not hungry for money. So yeah, that was the news, and uh, we'll uh, definitely be keeping an eye out for next week's news, and we'll we'll talk about the news of the day next week. But right now, for now, um, it is going to be on to the next one. Uh, this one is going to be a segment called uh, "Check This Out." Check this out. Yeah, so check this out. Is just I just wanted to give a, a link in here in the description. You can go to the show notes. Um, I just wanted to put in a, a trailer for uh, a Tom Holland movie. It's called uh, Cherry. And um, ba- I, I just saw that movie, and I didn't even recognize that Tom Holland's face when he was wearing those glasses and stuff like that. He was very, like, uh, very, like, like quiet in his delivery and some of his lines. He's very, like, not muted, but, like, I don't know, just not Tom Holland and stuff like that. <laughs> so um, it's going to be debuting on Apple TV Plus in February. So I believe it was already screened uh, for some, some critics in December. I think it might be uh, um, uh, eligible for like any 2020 Oscars that may or may not happen or 2021 Oscars for 2020. Uh, so yeah, check out the trailer. It's definitely um, uh, it's definitely got him flexing his acting chops here. So did you see the trailer yet or do you have anything to say on this? Yeah, uh, it's funny how he looks more like Peter Parker in in that trailer more than he looks like Peter Parker in the in the Spider Man movies. But yeah, yeah I, I I think you know Tom Holland with a movie like this is he's gonna try to like branch off of the Spider Man just being known as Spider Man. You know, he Tom Holland is a really good actor, and uh, I think he wants to you know kind of like what Christian Bale did. You know, where he branched off from just being Batman and you start knowing him for other great roles he's done. I think Tom Holland is trying to go in that direction. And uh, seeing this trailer, it looks like he's going to pull off some good acting chops because he's unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I mean, we might have Tom Holland uh, fatigue by end of 2021 because we got Cherry and we got uh, a Daisy Ridley a Daisy Ridley movie where he's like, you know, you can hear his thoughts or whatever like that. I forgot the name of that. Yeah, Chaos Walking. Chaos Walking, yeah. And then there's like uh, the new Spider-Man and then the new Uncharted. Aren't they out there? Are they do, aren't they both due oh, out this yeah, year? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's like four different projects happening here with Tom Holland. And not to mention, he just had like a Netflix uh, movie come out earlier, like this past fall or whatever. So yeah. he's just, and on top of on top of like, you know, just like the Spider-Man and Avengers. And I actually feel bad because a lot of these movies that are coming out are expected to be bad films. Like Chaos Walking, they had a lot of delays and reshoots and uh, writer problems and stuff. And then... The Uncharted movie uh, production delays some kind of because of COVID. yeah 
Yeah, so you know, I hopefully you know things work out and he these movies end up being all right. But it'll suck if he have all these movies come out and they all suck. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah. All right. So next up here we got topic of the show. So I told Troy to come prepare to talk about his five best movies of 2020, and I did the same here. So uh, before we get into our top uh, picks for for best movies, um, I did want to give some like honorable mentions uh, to the movies that didn't quite uh, make the list. And those two movies were actually the movies that we talked, we opened the show with. Neither Wonder Woman 84 uh, nor Soul uh, made the the cut, Um, even though they probably should have. uh, And I'll explain in a bit. But um, I also did not put Bad Boys for Life because I did not watch that movie. So uh, I haven't seen Bad Boys either. We was just talking about that, uh, <laughs> me and a, a couple of friends of mine. Like, how we haven't seen Bad Boys? Yet? I want to see it, by the way. I did want to see it. but Yeah, for uh, sure. Me too. Uh, I just didn't go to the movies at that time. So, um, yeah, that was uh, those are my honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions? I actually don't. You know, this year has been so wild that I feel like the five movies that I have on my list uh, the five movies that i have on my list is probably the only real five movies that i thoroughly enjoyed but uh bad boys if i seen that it would have probably been an honorable mention or on the top five but i again i didn't see bad boys yeah okay all right so let's go ahead and start off at number five here uh i guess i'll start us off um i wanted to give a shout out to freaky which was a vince vaughn movie um, and this is only and okay for my number five and my number four spots by the way they're really not those good they probably would not have made my top five, by the way. Uh, any, any, most of these movies wouldn't have made my top five in any normal year, but uh, there's very little to choose from as far as content. But also, um, I only want to give a shout-out to Freaky because of, like, uh, M9 number four, because of the surrounding experience of it. Freaky was my very first ever movie watching it in a drive, drive-in. I've never been oh, to a wow. drive-in theater ever before. It was my first experience, like, going into that screen, parking the car, tuning the radio to the correct station to hear, like, the audio. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I, it was quite an interesting experience uh, for me. Um, the screen quality was a little trash. Um, the audio quality <laughs> was pretty good. I mean, it's my car's speakers, so um, that was yeah. good. Um, the, the, the concession stand, they were definitely uh, exercising, like um, – uh, safety precautions, you know, like, you know, they had masks and gloves on everyone six feet apart. Um, so it was definitely very, I felt very safe and, you know, going there and it was very uh, well done. And I think that was a good experience. Um, I actually don't think the movie was actually that bad to tell you the truth. It was actually a pretty, uh, pretty fun movie. It's like a horror comedy movie, uh, where it's like, yeah, I heard it was good. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it was the original title of the movie was called freaky Friday, the 13th which was basically that title in of itself was actually a good explainer. I, I guess there must have been like some kind of trademark issues or something like that that prevented that title from being the title of the movie. So they just they just yeah. left it at Freaky, which doesn't really yeah. explain what the movie's about. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so the, the, the killer and then the, 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 the damsel, you know, they swap bodies by accident and then now they're just sort of uh, going on this crazy adventure uh, trying to like get the body back or swap back and everything. So... Um, I think the movie worked for me is from from a from like a chemistry perspective between all the actors and from a writing perspective in terms of, you know, just being fun, a fun, good time. And uh, some of the kills were over the top. So uh, I think the movie worked for me and I think it definitely deserves a, a mention for that. But the thing that really set it apart is my is my experience of how I watched the movie. Yeah, I heard that was a good movie. That's one I have to check out. That's one I've been wanting to see. Yeah. All right. What's your number five? 
Uh, my number five is a Ben Affleck movie that came out this year. It's called The Way Back. Yeah, and it's like a, it's a basketball movie. I've and, seen uh, it. It's it's a really good movie. Did you get a chance to see that? Yeah, one? I saw it in theaters. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, man. That the uh, and without spoilers, man, that ending was not expected. Oh yeah, man. A- anytime a movie does that, like give you a great ending and you don't expect it, you know that's that's like one of the best things. Because these days, movies cliche. You 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 know yeah exactly they're cliche. You know where it's gonna end by the time probably you're in the first act. You know where it's gonna end. So that ending was not expected and i enjoyed it and the movie just had a lot of heart it was a lot of uh good acting in that film man like you know uh ben affleck he got out acted a couple of times in that movie so <laughs> but uh yeah uh the way back is just and i relate to that movie because you know I, I grew up playing basketball and stuff like that so i always enjoy good sports movies you don't get uh good sports movies often you know what i mean so that movie really hit home for me as my number five all right cool uh, my number four was uh, going to be the video game movie Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, oh, wow. I, I actually wanted to give a, a shout out to like Detective Pikachu because I feel like those two movies really like the and back to back years. I love Detective Pikachu. I love that. Yeah. Movie. They came out in back to back years and stuff like that. And like and like Sonic the Hedgehog overtook its record for the highest video game movie opening of all time. Dang, I'm still sad about that, man. <laughs> you think Detective Pikachu deserved that title more? Hell yes, I do. Uh, yeah. Actually, you know what? I will say that I think Detective Pikachu and like, like, uh, you know, if they're if you pit them against each other, Detective Pikachu was a better movie. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, I just wanted to say, like, I I took my nephews to go watch uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, my nephews were like um, eight or five or four at the time or whatever. Um, so they they. I, I got to treat him. I got to be an uncle and I bought like, I bought like a big bucket of popcorn. I bought some ICs and a candy or whatever. You know, I, I really treated them and I really like, uh, I spoiled them and That's I felt nice. very good. I felt very good. Like I got to, I, 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 I like that experience of that very wholesome experience. You know, I also, yeah. um, uh, did actually enjoy the movie and I really wanted to give a huge shout out to Jim Carrey because that guy knows how to choose scenery, man. He is so good at just, you know, of like turning it up to 11 and committing to it. I, he did so many, uh, like, I feel like that movie really did rest on his shoulders as far as like the enjoyment of the movie. He did, he yeah. did a good job with Dr. Robotnik. Um, yeah. The post credit scene made me very um, uh, happy with the direction that they might go for the eventual sequel. And um, the, the biggest critique that I would say is that um, that most uh, most fans would say is why didn't you just make the sequel? Because they they were teasing up a, a different movie, like a different tone shift, and most yeah. people were looking for that movie. So, yeah. um, but beyond that, I actually did enjoy like how they uh, they kept uh, Sonic modern. You know, he's flossing and stuff like that, and and yeah. memeing and stuff. That's my I think that's my favorite part of the movie as well. How modern he is. Yeah. So he 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 jives with you know that '90s cool like I'm too cool for school kind of thing. So he's yeah. he's it works. I like the redesign because the trailer from the when they first came out was garbage. Man. So um, overall, it's it's a good package. Like I think it it it. It knew what it was doing. It, it it targeted a certain demographic, and it hit for me. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, my my number four is gonna be a, a movie we talked about earlier, Soul. Okay. Um, I already talked about it uh, pretty much, but you know, I just enjoyed the movie. It had a lot of soul. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, uh, and uh, yeah, man, I, I I can relate to that movie, and uh, it was kind of unexpected because when I seen the trailer. I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, okay, here goes another attempt at a, a a great Pixar movie. But 
it really did live up to, you know, a lot of people's expectations, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, I just I – th- I thoroughly enjoyed it, for sure. Yeah, I've seen a lot of, like, uh, soul, like, Pixar theory videos on YouTube, by the way. So I think that's really cool how they're, like – they're uh, the fans are trying to make sure, like, they, they're explaining how soul and, and, and Coco are in the same universe or whatever to make sure that they, oh. <laughs> they don't break each other's you know, rules. Everything's a, everything's a connected yeah. universe these days. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Uh, which hasn't been officially like that's the Pixar theory hasn't been officially san- uh, like oh, sanctioned. Oh no, no, yeah, by yeah. Pixar, that's, by the way. I think that's just speculation. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, my number three is going to be the other Pixar movie that came out this year is Onward. Um, that one uh, for me, Onward um, outdid uh, the Soul uh, in the sense that like uh, I don't I didn't cry in in Soul, uh, but I felt I had the feels in Soul, obviously. So. But fucking uh, the the ending of Onward made me cry like a little bitch, so uh, I, I I and I also do uh, say that as far as like you know ADD kids or whatever you know visually stimulating colors and action sequences, you know Onward has that in Spades. So um, yeah. I think it does well for both audiences um, in that in my critique about Soul, uh, but in general like uh, just that 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 scene or like that the idea of like you know of him like looking for his father you know and not realizing what he has in front of him the whole time and i think that's a very touching and very emotional moment and the very ending the ending that we got is not the ending that most people wanted but it still hits us so hard you know what we saw what little we saw and then it was just it just works like that movie really did work and the character growth and the the comedy the writing everything just tracks very well um, I really, I really think that that movie's uh, financial success was, was definitely, uh, you know, it warranted more success. But because of the COVID situation, it really is going to go down as one of the worst performing, you know, Pixar movies because of that. But yeah. it's very unfortunate, and it deserved more. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, sounds good, man. Um, so my my number three. Uh, oh, were you done? By the way. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so my number three is uh, going to be uh, The Invisible Man. That's another one we was talking about yeah. a little bit earlier. Okay. But The Invisible Man, it surprised me. You know, this, this movie, and it shouldn't have surprised me, by the way, because the trailers look good and everything. I don't know why I just thought it was going to suck, but uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. The performances was great. The lead. And, the and, lead. It, and it really was kind of, The Invisible Man to me almost felt like a, a little bit of a superhero movie in a way, you know, you had like a villain and, you know, you had, you know, your protagonist and all of this other stuff. And it, it just really was. And then like some of the action was shot in a way that you will see it in like a, in a, you know, a Marvel film or something. It was, it got, it was just really good. And I think the horror, they delivered on it when it needed to be. I don't think this movie is just scary, but like, when certain scenes that needed to be intense was intense, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just a good movie overall. I, I really liked it. And it's crazy because this movie is, it can I felt like it came out so long ago, you know, and it's, it, it actually was a 2020 film, but <laughs> you know, I felt like, dang, did I see this in 2019? I'm like, dang, but yeah. yeah it, it, but, uh, yeah, man, invisible man to me was, it was, it was a fantastic movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Pre, and the acting pre pandemic definitely does feel like a different lifetime. I will say that. Right. It does. Yeah. It's uh, pre pandemic, but no, shout sure. out to Elizabeth Moss, by the way, she, Oh killed wow. It. She was so she good. She was man. just like, Oh my, god like the 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 level of just believability like that yeah, movie she was oscar worthy yeah she, I, and i was was curious that's 
that's one of the things that sucks about this pandemic so much, man, because it's like I was curious to know who we could get nominated for Oscars. And I was always wondering, I was like, I bet you they snub her or I bet you she get forgotten. Because like, <laughs> it came out in February. Oscar yeah. worthy, though. Yeah, because it came out in February. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, like just how like. There's like this. There's like a lot of themes and motifs happening here with you know her like being like oh my god is she crazy like kind of stuff like there's like something yeah. that's like really like um, just very like I don't know it just hits you very deep and emotionally and stuff like that like I don't know how to explain yeah. it but uh, like to question to question one's own sanity and stuff like that and there's like this there's like these like themes about like oh being in an abusive relationship about like yeah you know, gaslighting that, I think someone. that was my favorite theme you know it was like an, it was really a movie about someone in an abusive relationship yeah. if you think about it yeah. you know there's they just added the little metaphors and shit like that and like go, right. ghost lighting someone and like yeah they're yeah. That's yeah. that's kind of where where uh, I think that's why it like really strikes a chord even then. So and and even now yeah. I would say so. Yeah, shout yeah, out to that sure. one for sure. All right, so uh, my number two uh, two movie of the year was a movie that came out in January, and I believe in 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 my opinion this movie should have came out in limited release in December. They it was a it was a uh, a huge missed opportunity to not be a part of the uh the 2019 oscars that you know happened in 2020 or you know so yeah it's uh, it's a movie that you reviewed on your youtube channel so shout out to your youtube channel troy uh hey. just mercy oh wow yeah dang just mercy dang that did that oh that came out this year yeah i mean 2020? 2020 yeah it did january oh, wow. i looked it up it did not have a limited release in december oh wow so it was a theatrical wide release in January. Uh, I think it was January Man. 16th. Um, so I watched that movie in theaters and uh, um, I just got to say, uh, shout out to Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. I don't know who, who, who out acted who in that movie, but they both <laughs> f- freaking killed it. Like Man, for they real. were Oscar worthy contenders. And that's why I really wish that they put that limited release out there because they were not part of the 2019 Oscars discussion when they really should have been like, you know, entered in for the competition because, um, yeah. you know, definitely for sure they have, uh, if there's, if we're having an Oscar ceremony this year, maybe in April, I believe, uh, the Oscars might be, be being uh, held in April, the 2020, uh, categories, they need to be like looked at. They cannot be overlooked. Um, that there, there is a scene uh, and I mean, this is very mild spoilers uh, here. Um, but this this is the one scene that after all of this time has stuck with me uh, and it will stick with me for the, probably for the rest of my life, like straight up. Um, there is this scene where uh, a character dies and we've I've seen characters die in movies all the damn time. You know, move, people die in movies all the time. It's like, oh, my God, it's a shocking death scene. But this one, this one particular scene it sticks with you like death like is just like it's so real it's so visceral and and like there was like this this like you know this knot in my stomach where it's like oh my god like like it was i felt like pain all over my my body just by that anguish and it was shot and and filmed and acted very beautifully by everyone involved and and it's one of those kind of uh, you know sequences where it's like you know death has never been portrayed in film like like no other in this movie so yeah i know what scene you're talking about and that scene is so realistic i think that's what make it like sit with you the way it does because you watch it and you're like oh man like 
that I just witnessed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's a real life kind of thing for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I just wanted to give us, that's why it's in my number two spot because it's got a very lasting impression for me. Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure it would have been, this movie would have made in my top five because like, you know, with movies like, like Black Widow or like, um, yeah, what was that other one? The other movies that got delayed out of this movie, like Fast 9 and stuff like that. Like, I'm not entirely sure I would have given this movie a second look, but because, like, the, the well is so dry, like, this is the content that really, you know, sticks, sticks with me. So, um, yeah, not, yeah not, I, to, not I, to... I enjoyed that movie. I mean, if I would have known that was a 2020 release, it might have been on my top five, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I, uh, I love that movie. And I think, you know, like you said, Jamie Foxx uh, and... And Michael B. Jordan, they gave probably one of their best performances in the movie. So yeah, it was a great movie. Yeah. All right. What's your uh, What's your number two? So my number two film is going to be the Christopher Nolan blockbuster Tenet. There we go. Um, yeah, uh, Tenet. I, I, you know, the thing here's the thing with Tenet. It's like, and a lot of like all time great directors, they deal with this same as the same problem. They're so, you know, people are so used to them making like Bangers. masterpieces and all time great movies that, you know, if they don't make an all time great movie or if it's not like a masterpiece, people are like, oh, it's a failure. It's just terrible. I, I can't watch it. It's just it's uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like it's either 100 or zero, you know, for them. But it's like if this movie was made by some new director and he didn't have a name yet, you know, people would praise the movie, you know, and uh I so no, I don't think it's like Nolan's best film. I don't think it's in his like top five best films. But I definitely don't think it's his worst film. And I I truly like it. You know, it's I seen it in theaters. Yep. And it was like the only movie I seen during like the whole pandemic thing. And man, it just it's a movie that you just gotta see in theaters. You yep. just have to see it. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a whole different experience because I I own it on Blu-ray right now and. I enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it the way I enjoyed it on theaters in theaters, you know. So it's a it's a great film, great action. It's very hard to understand, yep. you know. And I think that's probably like its biggest flaw. It requires like, it requires two viewings, like yeah, it requires two viewings. The, the, but the, that being, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, go for it. But that being said, it does require two viewings. But when you view it the second time, you're so relieved that you understand so much more. Yeah. You know, I think the problem with the movie is that you're trying to take in so much the first time. But then the second time when you watch it, you're like, oh, I get it. Ah, I get it. You know, it's like this, like, yeah, this happiness. You feel like, oh, man, I understand. Now I get that point, you know. Yeah. And when you watch it the first time, you're more frustrated because it's like, man, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Most people's, so. but most people's movie going experience is like the first time watching. Most people only watch movies one time, and that's uh, right. Exactly. That's kind of exactly. like the, that's the, true. the the biggest thing. Like like so like even for me, like I only saw Wonder Woman eighty four once, and I only plan to and I plan to keep it that way. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and the thing is, you know, some of the the uh, a truly great movie is movies that if you do watch it a second time, the sixth sense, you you, you, you learn more and you right like the sixth sense. Some movies are meant to be watched a second time. Yeah, you know, any movie like the sixth sense where it's like a mystery or something like that, like or it's a big twist or something like that, that's meant to be watched a second time, even if you don't happen to watch it a second time you know like if you watch get out a second time you'll see the clues throughout the whole yeah. movie you know yeah. and so um memento. yeah so memento. and i think Tenet falls in that category as far as like movies that needed to be watched a second time whether you watch it or not a second time it's it's memento you know, requires a second viewing by the way also directed by christopher nolan 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Memento, that's one as well. Memento, that's another one. So yeah, I I enjoyed Tenet a lot. You know, um, it's 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 a movie that that I definitely will watch over and over again for sure. This is our first time where we actually have uh, our lists uh, combined or or actually have the same entry because my number one is Tenet. Um, oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, it was my best movie of the year. I think uh, it definitely uh, deserves it um, in the sense of it's like you know, it's an original. It's an original thing, which is Hollywood doesn't produce enough original things. It's exactly. so it's like so like mind bendingly like like oh my god, it's so awesome because like you know seeing them like seeing things like go backwards and stuff and like they're inverted and stuff like that. That is yeah. that is a crazy ass mind concept and i and i really like that like like the biggest thing that that christopher nolan likes to play with in his films is time so there was that uh one world war ii movie where it's like this takes place over a day this place takes over a month this hour or or, yeah yeah, i'm like yeah it was an hour a a day and a week i believe and a week yeah Yeah. and they're edited together and everything uh damn what was the name of that movie i can't remember it uh whatever dunkirk dunkirk yeah and then he played with time in in uh interstellar uh, he played with time in uh, Inception. Memento. Oh yeah, and Memento. Yeah, Inception, and so yeah, he likes to do that. And I'm 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 very happy that he's like you know creativity is something that's not he's not creatively bankrupt by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. My biggest critique that I that we didn't go over here on your on your during your time is. Uh, I feel like the movie requires subtitles and I feel like the audio mix is just poorly done. Like there's too yeah. many like loud noises, like train tracks and water and air and all this. And in the, and the score, there's too much noise and like, yeah. of like drowning out the dialogue. Um, and, and you know what trips me out about that? I agree with you. And you know what trips me out? I wonder, I, I wonder if like the movie is, is made to for certain theaters or certain type of sounds or something because i seen it the first time and i and i was exact i couldn't hear nothing i was like what i mean i don't even know what's going on because i can't hear i watched it a second time in theaters i was like again i can't really hear nothing but then i seen it a third time and i and it was a i went to like an amc i think i seen it somewhere else the other two times but did you like watch it like, in a premium format, like an ETX or an IMAX or maybe I don't even know. It was just like I grabbed the closest showing, you know, and I heard everything super clear. I was like, <laughs> what what is going on? Like I, I like I heard everything like and you know, it, it. so I wonder if he sound mixes his films to certain type of audio recognition or something. I don't know. Certain Dolby but, standard or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that that definitely is a problem. Like that's a movie that you need to hear every single word. <laughs> yeah. So. I actually only watched it just the second time just this past weekend, by the way. I rented it uh, for streaming. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I watched – we put the subtitles on straight up, like like no point. Like, um, by, yeah. Which, by the way, like I don't know why – I don't know if the audio mix was better on my TV or not, but I was able to hear the words clearly. Uh, it might have been just yeah. because I was reading the words that I was able to hear the words uh, mm-hmm. or if like if I couldn't hear the words if – if, uh, but I mean that's what I was just mean. That's what I mean. Like it's, it's the same thing. Like I have it on Blu-ray and I hear every single word clearly. Like mm-hmm. that's a movie theater kind of problem or something. That's why I don't, I'm not sure how he he edits his sound and stuff. Yeah, depending on what you're listening, what format you're watching it on. So um, there was that issue, but also like um, I wanted to give a shout out to like how well the the film tracks. So when I'm watching it in the second viewing and knowing what to look out for, you see the things in the background and everything just jives and works. 
Um, mm-hmm. There were a couple of things that I wasn't like uh, clear on, like the the rules or the explanation. But then, like you, you, when I watched it the second time and I was I was on the lookout for it, then it just suddenly everything's just like, oh, okay, this everything's consistent and everything like that. So. Um, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of, a lot of fan theories about, like, about Robert Pattinson's character, and I'm like, I believe them. I think they're, they're true. Um, so yeah, I, I think the movie is, is, is well done. I think, um, all the actors committed to their roles, and, and, uh, it was a, a tour de force, uh, I think, in my, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. it definitely deserves the top spot for, like, number one, and it would definitely, this movie easily would have made top five in, in any normal 2020 year, so... Yeah, I agree. So, uh, that's my uh, that's my number one. So, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is gonna be a Netflix film that I reviewed on my YouTube channel a while back, and it's a Spike Lee film called The Five Bloods, and uh, it's it's a Spike Lee made film, and it's like about war veterans from the war, and they have to come like go back and get a treasure that they buried a while ago, and the movie is just it's just it's one of those movies that's kind of tough to watch, but it's so good. And it, and it, and it kind of makes you sad because it was the last movie I seen from Chadwick Boseman. It was like right before he passed away too. I think I seen it like maybe a month or so, maybe a month or two before he passed away. But, but he was like really good in that movie. And it was like, it was cool to see him getting to work with Spike Lee before he passed that like, that's like to me, like that perfect duo. And I think what's, what's so sad about it is I could see them working again so many more times, you Mm. know, before Patrick, uh, Chadrick passed away. But overall, it's just such a good movie. It's one of those movies where it's like a real ensemble film. It's like so many different actors and it's so well edited. It's so well directed. You know, um, you can watch reviews on it on YouTube. A lot of people, I think, talks about it. But, yeah, it's 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 a great movie, man. It has a lot of heart, and it has, you know, a lot of it, deep. It have a lot of deep subject matter, you know. Like, a lot of the things they talk about in a movie, it's like, it, you know, it's kind of heavy for certain people. So I don't think it's for everyone because it's a bit heavy. But anyone that, like, enjoys filmmaking and the art of filmmaking, it's, it's up there. It's top-notch. And I think... This is a movie that if it came out in any regular year, it would have got nominated for Oscars and stuff like that. So if the Oscars still going to happen, it's definitely probably a a winner or one of the more like highly nominated. Mm. But I think in any year, if this movie would have came out, it would have been nominated for a crap ton of Oscars and stuff like that. It's one of those. It's it's Spike Lee's best film in a long time, and he's made some good films recently. But okay. yeah, that that one right there, I have to put in my number one. It's on Netflix. All right, cool. I definitely would have to check that out because I didn't. Uh, I remember hearing about it, but I haven't. I haven't been on Netflix as a while. But but speaking of Netflix, though, let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. It's called Netflix and Chill. So this this segment, I like to I'm gonna take the time to look over what's popular on Netflix and take a look at the top ten things that are uh, whether it be series or movies. Uh, these are the this is the Netflix's official release chart of the top ten uh, most popular watched things of the week. Uh, so at number one is a series called Bridgerton. I never heard of it, but it's the number one popular thing here. At number two, we have Cobra Kai on the strength of the recently released season three. Uh, number three is uh, Lupin. At number four, we got Surviving Death. At number five, we got We Can Be Heroes, which is like 
The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl Two is what I what I understand that that movie is. That look that movie oh, is wow. that apparently I've I, seen. A, I, I might have to check that out. Oh no no you don't. I think I don't think you want to because I've seen a YouTube video calling that movie trash. So. <laughs> oh man. But the dang. same actress that played Lava Girl in the movie in the 2005 movie, she's uh she's uh, Lava Girl again, but Taylor Lautner did not reprise his role as Shark Boy. Oh man, come on, man! Y'all gotta get him back. <laughs> uh, number six is History of Swear Words, which looks like it's starring Nicolas Cage from the looks of it. Uh, number seven is called Pieces of a Woman. And number eight is DreamWorks' is Gabby's Dollhouse. And number nine is LA's Finest. And at number ten is Coco Mel- uh, Melon, which is uh, um, a show that I thought was on YouTube, but apparently it's got new episodes up on Netflix. So this uh, this charts are uh, I don't know like this kind of feels a little lackluster to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you have anything to say on this on this chart? I mean, yeah, I agree. It seems lackluster. I haven't seen none of those that you named, but uh, you know, I, I, I the only one that I think I was interested in was the Shark Boy and Lava Girl sequel. <laughs> but I don't know. You might, I think like I think might. you should just watch the YouTube video about it, and then you'll get because that guy gives the plot of the movie, and he basically rips it a new one. And I feel like well, his... see, I can't I can't do that. Me as a as a movie critic, that's like against the. <laughs> against the law oh, okay. you know what i mean okay. so anything i watch i gotta get my own opinion on it first and then you know give it so i, I would never do that but i don't know but i will say i don't know that makes me let like not enthusiastic about it no yeah more. yeah well like for me like that guy he gives like uh like a like a play-by-play of like the bigger plot beats and then he ripped and then after that he give he rips the movie a new one and uh and then he was done with the video, and I thought the video in and of itself was entertaining to watch. You know, like his his clip, yeah. his like keep those quick clips. It was like here's a clip of this, and then and then he just yeah. sort of like reviews both. I think both movies, the original Shark Boy and Lava Girl, as well as this movie. And um, yeah, it's 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 very fun. It's a it's a good watch. Uh, but the only thing that I really want to watch, and I, I it's really on my my to do list, is I want to watch Cobra Kai. But I have to start all the way from season one. Like I only watched like the first two episodes of season one, and then I dropped off. Not because I didn't like the show, but because like I just, you know, I, I I'm a bitch, you know. Much like how I don't play finish games, I also don't finish shows either. So, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Cobra Kai is a, is getting a lot of buzz. Yeah. So, so I definitely want to be a part of that. So, um, and uh, I just want to let's go ahead and end the show here on our last segment here. Um, uh, I want to talk about the new release of the week here. So this coming Friday, WandaVision premieres on Disney Plus, and I'm gonna read this. Woo! <laughs> I want to read this blurb here uh, from straight from uh, Disney uh, Disney's website here. WandaVision, Marvel Studios' captivating new series, uh, WandaVision, which premieres on January 15th, 2021 on Disney+, Plus, starring Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. WandaVision marks the first series from Marvel Studios streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. The series is a, class, is a blend of a classic television and the Marvel Cinematic Universe in which Wanda Maximoff and Vision, two superpowered beings living idealized suburban lives, begin to su- suspect that everything is not as it seems. And that's the official description right there. These next three bullet points I got from Wikipedia. The series takes place after the events of the film Avengers Endgame. Tiona uh, Paris, Kat Dennings, Randall Park, and Catherine Hahn also star. And Tiona Paris is uh, uh, Monica Rambeau from. She was a little girl in the Captain Marvel movie, and now she's grown up. Her, her character is grown up. Uh, Kat Dennings was in the the Thor movies, uh, so they're bringing her back, her character back. So 
there, uh, there's a lot to look forward to here in this WandaVision series. Uh, it says here that WandaVision is scheduled to premiere with the first two episodes. So we're not getting one episode here. We're getting two. And I think it's because they want to get rid of the black and white episodes off the bat. So they can go into the color episodes next week. So, um, I'm, uh, Troy, I can tell you're excited. What do you got to say on this? Man, I'm I'm super excited for this. Real quick though, I want to say, dang, it's surprising that Kat Dennings is in this show. Like she was in the Thor movies, and she had absolutely nothing to do with Wanda. I mean, with uh, Vision or or uh, Scarlet Witch. Witch. Well, I think it's yeah, more so. like because she's a scientist, she she must have been recruited by by Sword because I believe Sword is going to be a part of it. So she's probably in the agency, kind of like uh, Monica Rambeau is. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I was just that was just a curious little thing there. But man, I'm super excited. Like the synopsis is one of the things I like about this show, and the the idea of this show is like I want shows to be unique. You know, I don't want to just a uh, um, a little television series that's just basically an extended movie. <laughs> I like how I like how it's like a sitcom, right? Like, and a sitcom is so uninteresting in terms of like wanting to watch uh, Avengers content like you know what I mean like a sitcom but that's what to me interests me so much is like you know how are they gonna pull this off you know like if you watch it it's it's almost like I love Lucy or something like and then it you know somehow it's gonna become you know it's gonna feed the fans what they want but uh it's just a great clever idea and and it matches her character you know her psychic like type of powers and stuff like that and uh, man, and if did you see the last trailer that came out for that? Yeah, for this show. Yeah, I have. It, it's it's mind blowing, man. It's so good. Like I seen a, I seen a clip of it on television the other day, and I was just jumping up and down, ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I can't wait, and I'm glad because the Mandalorian just ended, so this gives me something new to watch every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm I'm excited for sure. We'll definitely be talking about it next week and give our impressions on the show on next week's show. So be sure to come back for episode two. But uh, on that note, here um, it is time to end. So thank you uh, so much for joining us for another episode or for our first episode, excuse me, of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can uh, reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. Bracy Troy 21 Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Thank you.